Hey, welcome back to our Art of Relationships podcast. And uh, we have a guest, Deborah Faleta, who has joined us um, all the way from Pennsylvania. And um, we are just so grateful, Deborah, to have you here with us. I'm Dr. Chris Grace. And I'm Dr. Tim Yohoff. And uh, we've been doing this podcast now on the Art of Relationships. And Deborah, we came across uh, your website, True Love Dates, mostly because you and I serve on a board together and have done some things together with Christian Mingle and in other places. And just been so impressed with all of the ways and all of the work and your passion for helping uh, couples and helping people to not only date well, but to do relationships well, to do marriage well. And we are just so glad that you're here to join us. So welcome back to our podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. So, you know, last time we were talking some about the way in which we do relationships and we do them with health, we do them um, in, in, in ways that kind of reveal that we are all just humans who are growing and learning and it brings so much to relationships that we're working on and yet we find grace with God. And so hopefully as we talk and deal with relationship issues, um, we're able to give some advice out there for our listeners about how to navigate these things well um, from a Christian perspective, but just also from a health perspective. So some of the things we were talking about and I want to talk about today um, are related to relationships. Um, what would you say for you are some of the most critical issues that you're finding as you're dealing with couples and people who want to know more about relationships and they turn to your book, True Love Dates, uh, and they go to your website? What are they asking? What are they seeking the most uh, from you? Well, it's interesting because I, I think that people come um, with such personal questions. Um, you know, a lot of times I hear an entire life story. Um, this person said this, that, the other thing. What do you think I should do? And it's just such a personal thing, but it's so focused on a very narrow narrative, mm-hmm. um, this particular situation. When really I'm trying to get people to kind of back up a little. Let's like zoom out, look at the big picture and ask, Am I engaging in healthy relationships? Am I a healthy person? Do I have a healthy relationship with God? Those are like the three central questions that I'm trying to get people to zoom out and answer, because I think those questions kind of inform everything that we do about with regard to dating. In True Love Dates, I actually kind of break it down into three sections. The first section is called Dating Inward, and that's all about answering that question of, am I a healthy person? Mm. Uh, it talks about the baggage you carry from your past and, and how those things might actually impact your current relationships. Um, the second section is called dating outward, and it answers the question of, do I have healthy interactions with the opposite sex? And it talks about things like boundaries and, and conflict and communication and how do you even know what you want or what's good for you in a relationship? And then the third section is called Dating Upward, and that is all about our relationship with God. I think Christians are good at the cliche phrase of saying, oh, Christ is the center of our relationship. But what does that really mean? How do you break that down and make it a practical thing? How do you actually invite Christ to become an informant in your dating relationship? And so so my ministry in general kind of backs up and looks at those questions um, from a more broad perspective and just teaches people, uh, gives them the resources that they need to apply them to their own personal situations. Wow, Deborah, that sounds great. And it sounds like a lot of introspection. So I'm curious to ask you this question. There's a little bit of a healthy debate, I think, here at Biola University when we start to talk about what's like the right age to start thinking about marriage. And we have some professors who advocate getting married fairly early 
And I more take a look at the divorce rate has gone down in our country because people are waiting longer to get married. So what would you say, if you had to ballpark it, knowing that this is a gross generalization, when, when do you think a person is mature enough to do the three things you just talked about, which, which are great, but that takes a certain amount of maturity to want to be that introspective? You're absolutely right. It does take maturity. Um, and maturity comes from different things. You know, I've actually been asked to write articles about this. And I, I always say I don't, I'm not comfortable writing an article about this because maturity comes from life experience. Maturity comes from the people that you're exposed to. Maturity comes from the Holy Spirit and the depth of your relationship with the Lord. I mean, we look at, we look at young men in the Bible, young men and women, and how mature they were because of the Holy Spirit at work mm. in their life. So I've, I've interacted with 20-year-olds that I think are extremely mature and ready for marriage. And I've interacted with 60-year-olds that I think are completely immature <laughs> and not ready for marriage. Yeah. Um, and so I think what it comes down to truly isn't necessarily a number. Um, I think obviously with the more life experience you have naturally with age comes more wisdom. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's less about a number and more about where are you at with your relationship with yourself how much do you love yourself? How much mm. self-respect do you have for yourself? Where mm. are you at with your relationship with people? Um, do you have healthy relationships or they, do they tend to crumble? Um, have you burned bridges everywhere, you know? And, and what is your relationship like with God? Do you feel like you are living a life that you're just, you know, asking God to bless you in these areas? Or are you looking um, to live a life to serve Him and a life that's sacrificed to Him? And I think all of those things kind of really help us to kind of get a picture of where we're at and, and, and whether or not we're ready to engage in a healthier relationship. That's good. Yeah, that's really helpful. Deborah, do you think that there are uh, certain um, relationship, maybe deficits or even skills that uh, women tend to bring into the dating relationship uh, versus men? Or are there some differences that break down by gender that you say, as, and again, speaking in generalities here, if you had to speak to the men out there who are in this place, well, what would you? What advice would you give them as as they're thinking about, you know, the, the entering or being in a relationship and doing it well? Are there just some things that they can work on? And, and the same if you were to speak to to women out there. Well, I guess for me, I I, I struggle with um, just pointing out the men or just pointing out the women because I really believe that we all. Um, have a responsibility to get ourselves to a better place. Um, I remember doing an interview once um, with a with a guy who said to me, "So, Deborah, you're telling me that you want men to communicate? You know, men men aren't very good at communicating, Deborah. How do you expect men to communicate?" And I just said, "You know, I kind of feel like we put these negative stereotypes." And, and yep. we sort of make them bigger than they are. Yeah. Um, I don't really, when I look at scripture, I don't see much of that going on. I, I see Christ calling us all to the same kinds of things. Um, and, and really, in, in how I look at it, we're all called to communicate. We're all called to share our feelings with one another. We're all called to confess our sins to one another. We're all called to have purity and say no to lust. We're all called to have emotional boundaries and guard our heart. 
And so I think um, there's a lot of things that we need to work on. But as far as gender specific things, you know, nothing necessarily comes to mind. Although, you know, it's not uncommon for a man to come to me with a specific set of issues he has or a woman to come to me with a specific set of issues that she has. But at the end of the day, I say, you know, we are all called to health and wholeness in Christ. See, Deborah, that's that's Chris is laughing right now because I'm literally on the desk waving a <laughs> towel as you've been spe- as you've been speaking. I, I think these cultural narratives are really damaging, and in a way, they you. put men and women in these boxes. So you get men are from Venus, women are from Mars. You get the idea that men are all compartmental and women are all holistic. And I don't doubt that there's something to this a little bit, but it gives the men the out to say, well, hey, I'm sorry, I'm just a bad communicator. I've heard that all my life and I get compartmentalized. So I'm sorry, I wasn't thinking about your needs, but I was too busy focusing on this. And and, and I, think, I think that's really hard to show scripturally that those kind of categories exist. Uh, but at the same time, what would be your take, let's say on roles within a marriage? Would you tip your hand uh, if you lean towards the complementarian or egalitarian side of things, what would you? How would you kind of flesh that out when we get to uh, roles within the marriage relationship? You know, it's so interesting. I try to avoid this subject, <laughs> but it's such a good subject. It is really a good subject. I believe that the Lord has really taken my husband and I on quite a journey um, as we've kind of learned what the norms are for us. Um, So many people ask me my beliefs about things like, you know, like you said, the roles in a a marriage and what that looks like. And, you know, I'm not a theologian, um, but one thing that I do know is that in my relationship with my husband, we do have different roles, not necessarily because our genders, but more driven by our personalities. I mean, if you even just think of the basics, I'm the one that's going to do these talks and speaking on, you know, teaching, which mm-hmm. is some people would even question. Um, but my husband is my biggest advocate. He's my biggest fan. He's, he's the one that helps me um, put my ideas and, and, and make them solid. You know, he solidifies my, my ideas and these concepts that we talk through. So in our relationship, truly, we have different roles, but those roles come more out of our personalities and the way God has wired us rather than our genders. Um, and so when it comes to everything, um, it's my husband and I are second and the Holy Spirit is first. And we sort of kind of play it that way. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Oh, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. And every couple you know? needs to negotiate that. Every, to have those kind of conversations, even on the front end, I think is really important to say, do you think there are roles? And how would you define certain words that are often used within the scriptures? I think it's so important that a couple on the front end before they get married sit down and, and talk about those things and to say, hey. It is important. Yeah. I think you're right. I mean, it is really what down to, I think what's more dangerous isn't necessarily having a certain set of beliefs. Um, I have a lot of good friends in my life who are very strict with their beliefs about leadership, submission, and all those, you know, headship, all those terms that tend to kind of, you know, get your the goosebumps going because everyone's afraid to dive into them. But I think... What matters more is is how you and your spouse engage, how you communicate, and what your expectations are regarding those things. And that all comes down to, to communication. And, 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 you know, communication is the lifeline of a relationship. And it's like once you get married, you start this conversation that's pretty much never ending until one of you dies, you know? Yeah, that's good. No, so it's really important to just put it all out there. 
Yeah, no, good, uh, Deborah. We have a couple of more things that we really want to talk about, too. And, and one of the things is uh, you mentioned last time, and I think, Tim, you also brought this up. What What is and, and what would you recommend when it comes to guarding your heart in, in a dating relationship? I mean, we know and talk about uh, physical boundaries, but there are also emotional boundaries that each of us need to set. And I know you're kind of you have a heart about this and a passion for this. Talk, tell me a little bit about how you see some of these differences and what stands out to you as ways that our listeners can set some of these to best guard their hearts. Well, it's interesting. Tim mentioned a little bit uh, before we started chatting here about this article that I had written called Emotional Sex, Mm. How to Practically Guard Your Heart. Uh, I think a lot of times we underestimate the power of emotional intimacy, and especially within Mm. Christian circles. Um, I remember this young man coming up to me after a talk, and, you know, he had his girlfriend in tow, and he said, you know, our relationship is so Christ-centered. We've been trying to do it the right way. We've been dating for a month, and we do devotions every day together. We pray every (laughs) day together. And I just kind of stepped back, you know, and thought to myself, okay, like, how do I approach this here? Because you don't want to step on toes. These these people are coming with such good intentions of wanting to please the Lord. Um, But but really what makes a Christ-centered relationship is not necessarily the fact that you're doing devotions and and praying together. In fact, um, as a professional counselor who, who is, a born-again believer myself, I really think that that can kind of actually cause damage in a relationship if it's done prematurely. Right, yeah. A lot of times we delve into spiritual intimacy, we delve into emotional intimacy. But you know, as I look at my relationship with my husband, some of the most intimate times we have are not in the bedroom. They are when we are both sitting on the couch, hand in hand, praying you know, pouring our hearts out to the Lord, you know, telling the Lord the struggles that we're facing, crying out to Jesus together. And and I think that's a beautiful part of marriage. But I think sometimes we take that spiritual intimacy and we introduce it into a dating relationship far too early before trust has even been earned, before commitment has even been discussed, and we end up with a broken heart and a broken spirit. And so some things I tell uh, couples who just started dating is to do a couple things. Number one, um, pray alone, <laughs> you know, <laughs> seek yeah. God alone before you seek Him together um, early on in a relationship. There's going to be a time and place to connect your spiritual life, but in the beginning, keep it basic. You know, talk about what the Lord is doing in your life, but don't necessarily connect your spiritual world. I also say guard your time because we can spend so much, I mean, I know couples who spend every waking moment with yeah. that person yep. for months on end, and they even lose sight of their other healthy, important relationships. And that can be emotionally damaging. It's important to have boundaries with your time. And also it's important to have boundaries with your conversation. I think, um, if you know what I mean, a, a lot of people jump in and they just want to talk about the future, about marriage, about what our life is going to be look like one day, what our kids are going to be called, and and all these things. But sometimes we let a, our conversation get ahead of our commitment, and I think that can cause some serious damage when things don't work out. Yeah, we call those escalators, uh, relational escalators. And one of the reasons we do what you just said is we hate ambiguity. We just hate that no man's land right. of the relationship. And I, I love what you're saying about the particularly praying together part, which of course, you know, at a Christian university like Biola sounds heretical, but, but, to say, but to say to couples, guys, this is, it's too much, too soon uh, when you're 
praying with each other and almost talking to each other through prayer. You know, thank you right. for thank you for Carol's deep heart for the Lord and how she loves and thank you for Tom's you know, passionate commitment. Wow, that's pretty heavy stuff that really propels the relationship moving perhaps too quickly. Absolutely. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard about this, but one thing I talk about in True Love Dates is um, the triangle theory. It's just a, you know, a basic relationship theory. But really what it says is that if, if there's a triangle and each one of you is at the bottom corner of the triangle, the best thing you can actually do to move towards another or to move towards the right person is to move yourself towards the Lord, move yourself towards God and your relationship with Him. You know, move vertically, not horizontally. Mm. And I think a lot of times we lose sight of that and we look at this relationship, we want to get to as fast as possible, we want to connect as fast as we can, but nothing will ever replace your intimacy with God. Mm. And that's what's going to give you more and more wisdom and more and more answers along the way. Yeah, Deborah, one of, gosh, you know, we so agree with this, and I, I love the concept and even just the visual <laughs> picture of getting closer to someone by heading up that triangle towards God is just a great reminder of where we are to find and how God has made us and designed us to be in relationship with Him, and in so doing, our relationships with others flow out of that and in such a way that we seek Him, and then it feels as if our relationships with others start to, to in, in, in essence, grow and, and, and become even stronger that way. Let me, um, you know, we, we all recognize, and I think most listeners would as well, that um, the physical boundaries um, are set in a way that are designed to protect us. And otherwise, the same kind of thing happens that we begin, and if we get too uh, too much and too quickly into a physical relationship, we begin to lose perspective. And it seems like that's, that's the same thing, whether it's emotional, spiritual, or physical, the design is there to hold back because we are so uniquely designed to connect with each other. We seek these out. We are made for this. And yet, in getting too close too prematurely, what ends up happening is we begin to misjudge and mis have a misperception about how much we love this person or how connected we are or how alike we are, and it begins to mask a lot of our differences, doesn't it? Uh, it we call that emotional clouding. I become so clouded that I... It, so all the introspection that you've been talking about, taking time to really take a look at those three stages you mentioned becomes very quickly clouded where I'm emotionally connected to a person or I'm physically connected to a person. So we do this thing in premarital counseling where if the couple is physically active and we, and you know we have to define what we mean by physically active, then we challenge them to go three months with no physical contact whatsoever just to allow the clouding to... Now, again, they can date each other. They can affirm each other. They can write each other poetry. They can send each other cards. They can do whatever they want. But for three months, let's remove the physical, become unclouded when it comes to the physical, and then you can begin to do that introspection that you've been advocating. But um, the, this, the message they receive from media when it comes to the power of the physical... And, and you know, a kiss is seen as nothing. And... They blow past things so quickly that um, it's really sad that we've so devalued what the physical means in such a hookup culture. So we like to advocate to couples, let's, let's just remove the physical because there are times in marriage where physical intimacy just is not possible. So Deborah, let's say that a couple has uh, emotionally connected and kind of gone too far and perhaps even physically gone too far. And there is this clouding 
kind of of their perspective. How do they back it up? How do you get perspective and establish these boundaries? Well, I think one thing that you had mentioned earlier um, about how you, you're saying to these couples, we want you to take some time without having any physical intimacy, you know, take three months and, and refrain. I think that is a great way to start because you sort of have to starve a certain part of you, especially after you've kind of gotten into the routine of um, having certain amount of physical intimacy in your relationship. Yeah. Um, and I think you're right. It does do what we call, what you call clouding. I, I, I use the word numbing sometimes. Mm. Um, the sexual intimacy has the power to numb you. It's like the Novocaine of a relationship and kind of yeah. numbs you to what's really going on. That's good. But here's the thing about it. It's not an easy process. You know, I'm not going to pretend that you just snap your fingers and you can go all of a sudden have these emotional boundaries. Um, but one thing that I have found to work is for couples who are stuck in physical intimacy to invite a trusted mentor into their situation. Mm. And I know that sounds a little, you know, risky, a little scary. Like, how do you even go there with someone? Um, but the truth is, the art of having a healthy marriage is confession. And if you mm. can't yeah. tackle and master confession before you're married, you're really going to struggle with it after you're married as well. And so um, I think it's really important to, to bring somebody into your struggle and, and, and invite a mentor or a mentor couple to kind of walk alongside of you to help you set those boundaries, um, to ask you questions, to keep you accountable. Um, someone who's been there, done that, and knows why it's worth the wait. It knows why it's worth holding on to those things and, and unclouding yourself for the, for the potential of what's to come. Um, so, so really, you can make rules for yourself, but if you don't have someone helping you keep those rules, it's going to be really hard to stick to what you want to do. That's good. That is great advice. Deborah. one of the things um, as we um, wrap this time up is we, we just simply have um, committed to working in, in, in the same area, and that is uh, helping couples and helping individuals um, do uh, relationships well. And that's why we even call this podcast The Art of Relationships. Uh, just uh, for you, from you, where, where are you heading next? What, what's your passion? What's your heart? And what do you hope to do uh, in your ministry um, as you work in this? And, and what do you see coming up for you? You know, um, I am just following where the Lord leads, to be honest. I never expected I'd even be in this world of ministry if you would have asked me five, ten years ago. But I feel that the Lord has not given me a green light to move on from the topic of dating. I think a lot of people go through the process, you know, they start talking about this, then they get married, they talk about marriage, then they talk about parenting, especially a counselor, for example, who's yeah. kind of, as you go through the stages, you sort of start teaching about the stages. At this point, though, I haven't felt like the Lord has given me a green light to move on, and I find myself feeling just as passionate about this subject. And so my hope is that the Lord will just continue to um, give me what I need to continue to write resources, to continue to put articles out there, to continue traveling and speaking and just sharing my heart with this generation. Um, I, I'm really focused right now on producing courses because... You know, I'm one person, and as much as I love my one-on-one -on -one time of interaction with someone, with a client, 
I can produce these courses now that I've been, you know, these 21-day courses or these two-week courses that people can enroll in and on their own time kind of go through this process with a workbook. And it's basically like one long counseling session. So I feel like um, God has kind of challenged me to, to take the information that I have and put it in a in digestible, um, teachable bite-sized chunks for people to kind of um, have practical resources to help them through this singleness and dating stage. Gosh, we so relate to that. It's been one of our passions here, um, Deborah. that we we have just spent some time talking about, you know, marriage, relationships, dating. We work with college students. We work with couples and pastors and others. We have conferences and events here. And I think one of the coolest things that Tim and I get to do is to teach a course uh, to primarily juniors and senior undergrad students on the topic of relationships. We hit things like technology and its impact and singleness and how do you navigate healthy and unhealthy conflict and communication patterns. And it has been such a blast to do that together. Yeah. And like you, we just continue to find um, this is just an area for us that we love to talk about. And we, too, are, don't feel released yet from this. And it's a great right. place to be because there's so much out there and there's so much need, but also such uh, – joy and passion that can be found when we do relationships well. So just like you, we're just going to keep sending people your way. We're going to hope to have you come out here and see us. You know, we're at cmr.biola.edu and we're going to have a link out there. You have got a great book, True Love Dates and some other blogs and things that we think people need to see and read. And no doubt they'll be contacting you. Um, Deborah, thanks for spending some time with us and being here with this podcast. And we're going to get you out to Biola soon and have you st- talk to our undergrads, get you at a chapel and bring you yeah, probably into our class. Um, oh, I'd love it. It's, it would, it's honestly so impressive to see, to work with a college that is so in tune to the needs of our student body and the needs of this culture. So, so I, I, I just want to affirm you guys and what you guys are doing. Well, thank you for all the investments you've, you're making. Uh, I know you have small kids, and I'm sure life must be crazy at times <laughs> to add all this to your plate. But these, these are great investments that you're making in the lives of people. Deborah, thanks for joining well, us. thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, guys. For uh, uh, the Art of Relationships at Biola University, I'm Chris Grace. And I'm Tim Muehlhoff. And we're just so glad you joined us. Catch us next time, and uh, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. 